I love reading about science. Uh, but when you read about ADHD, they're like, from a cohort of 12 nine-year-old boys from New Hampshire. It's like, okay, can we talk about, you know, the single mother, the teenage girl, you know, like not just these little boys that have it. That's why I like, you know, putting out the surveys that I put out on Twitter because I'm including everybody. I'm including the trans and non-binary communities. You know, I'm not just looking at a small cohort of nine-year-old to 10-year-old boys that have ADHD. Hello and welcome to the Women and ADHD podcast. I'm your host, Katie Weber. I was diagnosed with ADHD at the age of 45, and it completely turned my world upside down. I quickly discovered I was not the only woman to have this experience, and now I interview other women who, like me, discovered in adulthood they have ADHD and are finally feeling like they understand who they are and how to best lean into their strengths, both professionally and personally. Let's jump right in with episode 55, in which I interview Sydney Rubio. Sydney is the creator and founder of What in the ADHD, and she started the brand in January of 2021 with the simple hope of sharing accessible ADHD information with others, especially the science behind why we have certain traits and behaviors. She has a strong background in teaching and science, and she breaks down a lot of obtuse concepts into relatable, humorous, and easy-to-digest YouTube videos. What in the ADHD is now an established LLC that is dedicated to normalizing ADHD and sharing information about it in a fun, inclusive, and accessible way via their blogs, videos, tweets, and community surveys. Sydney and I talk about our tendency to have scientific brains and an insatiable curiosity and a desire to solve puzzles. We also talk about some of the red flags that we've experienced or have heard about women experiencing when seeking an ADHD diagnosis and how so many of us have encountered dismissive doctors and have felt minimized when seeking our diagnosis. And we also talk about community and advocacy and how feeling seen and knowing that you're not alone is such a huge part of the diagnosis journey, especially in adulthood. I want to give a trigger warning because we do talk about Sydney's miscarriages throughout the episode. So if that is a difficult topic for you, I suggest you might want to listen to a different episode. Also, when I was listening back to this episode, I realized I make some really sweeping generalizations, especially about medical professionals, which I tend to do when I get really passionate and really worked up over a topic. So I just want to put in a reminder that I am not a medical professional. I am not an expert in ADHD. I am simply a journalist who was diagnosed with ADHD and is learning and asking questions and having conversations. With that in mind, I hope you enjoy. I know for you, um, you were diagnosed a couple of years ago, right? Four years ago? Yeah, I was diagnosed when I was 24. Um, it was, I had like an anxiety attack. And I went into a psychiatrist in like April of 2018 and I got diagnosed with anxiety and depression and then later ADHD. And then I had my last semester of undergrad. So I kind of got to experience like my bachelor's degree with having ADHD and not even knowing I had ADHD and not being diagnosed. And then that last semester, like it was, it was night and day with the effort I put into school. It was crazy. Mm, interesting. So what, how did the diagnosis come about? Was it just, you had a, a, particularly, um, well-read medical provider or was it your own research or <laughs> actually? So, um, so I was getting my, I was getting my degree in, um, 
in biomedical science and chemistry. And I remember I would just get so frustrated with myself when I would be like sitting in organic chemistry and my professor would be like, all right, so I have something really important to share with everybody. Please pay attention. If you don't pay attention to anything else this whole hour, please pay attention to what I'm about to say. And I'm like, all right, I got this. I'm focused. I got this. What do you got to say? And then I would like look at the periodic table and I'd be like, what kind of words can I make out of all those letters? <laughs> and then, then I would hear her say again, okay, you got it. I'm not repeating that. And I'm like, oh, oh my God. And that happened so often. And it's, you know, it's not that I was zoning out because I wasn't interested. Like I wanted to know, but my brain was like, no, we're going to do something that's unimportant. So I remember talking with a friend about it and um, she was like, you should go get tested. I got tested. I, I take medication now and it, it has changed my life. And I'm like, I don't know. We'll see. I, I hate going to the doctors. I hate scheduling appointments. So I put it off. I put it off. And then finally I had a really big panic attack when I was studying for a cell and molecular biology class uh, exam. And I was like, okay, I need help. I couldn't breathe. I was panicking. So I went to go see the psychiatrist and he's like, you for sure have anxiety. Um, it sounds like you have a touch of depression too. And then he actually, my psychiatrist that I went to, didn't believe in ADHD. Like he was like, I don't think it's a real thing. And he's like, so I'll just diagnose you with these two. You can get antidepressants for now and blah, 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 blah. The antidepressants helped my focus a little bit. Um, but then when I went back for my checkup, I'm like, listen, I know you don't believe in it, but I would really like to explore it because I've done the research, you know, I've hyper-focused on what it means to be ADHD, how it affects you. Like it fits me to a T and he's like, all right, fine here. So he gave me the drugs and I tried them and it was life-changing. So then now I see a different doctor who listens to me more. She adjusts my dosage and she actually believes that ADHD is real because she has, you know, friends and family that have it too. So that was a really long-winded way of saying that. <laughs> long-winded explanation of, yeah, my first doctor wasn't that great, but now I have one that's amazing. Now, did you feel like you related to the hyperactivity part? Because I know from my personal experience that my therapist was diagnosed with ADHD through her son several years ago. And so she kept gently suggesting to me, I should really look into it. I should really look into it. And I just dismissed her. I was sort of like, I don't, yeah, I don't know, maybe, but like, I don't relate to the hyperactivity part. I was like, I can spend days in a comatose state on the couch. Like I am definitely did not think of myself as a hyperactive person. And, um, even when I took the self-test online, um, this was all prior to the pandemic. Like I took the self-test from attitude magazine online for women and I scored like a perfect score, almost perfect. Perfect. <laughs> right. Um, the first time I aced a test right, <laughs> and still like felt really resistant because of the way in which ADHD is so terribly misrepresented, right? And so I was like, well, this, even though I relate to the self-test, I still didn't feel like it was me until I started like really doing the deep dive hyper-focus into like lived experiences with other people, you know, especially women. Um, so I'm curious, like, did you feel like you had the, did you relate? What was my initial question? I think it was, did you relate to the hyperactivity part? Um, Yes. So uh, very much so like that was very obvious when I was a kid. Um, I got in trouble a lot. Uh, my mom would always make comments like how I was acting like a boy because I was always running around and 
interrupting people. I would pull my card like almost every day in class, you know, like, you know, you have one strike against you, you interrupt your teacher, you, you go under the desk during silent reading time and tie your classmates shoelaces to their desk legs. Not that I did that or anything, but you know, I got in trouble a lot for hyperactivity. It's, it's gotten a little better as an adult, but now it kind of manifests as like really aggressive driving and impatience and impulsivity and during zoom talks, I noticed that mine's the only square that's like constantly moving. <laughs> so yeah. So yes, very much. Uh, I'm very much combined, like almost equally with inattentive and hyperactive. Yeah. That was, that took a lot. I mean, that was also mind blowing for me thinking about all of the ways in which my hyperactivity, um, manifests itself, right. That I had never attributed to have her activity, like being really quick to rage, the emotional regulation right, issue, right. road rage, standing in line, impulsivity, like all of that falls under the age. But I think so many of us think of little boys who can't exactly. sit still and dismiss it all. Uh, but like, I have yet to interview a woman for this podcast who didn't have the hyperactivity element just in the way she thought and got excitable and, you know, like the talking part and then apologizing for rambling and all of that. Like, right, I'm like, girl, yes. you are hyperactive, please. <laughs> yep, exactly. Uh, yeah. Um, all right. So now let's look back at, you know, once you were diagnosed, I mean, you were also going through a lot in your life at that point, because you would have already had a, like a one-year-old, right? Or how old was your son? Yeah, he was, he would have been... I guess he would have been two. So he was born in March, 2016. Um, and I was diagnosed in June, 2018. So he was two years old and I was one semester away from graduating. So what, wait, what was the, what was the question? <laughs> Just, you had a lot on your plate, like, <laughs> yes, for sure. <laughs> right. So, um, and, and, you know, and I think back, like there were so many times in my own life, you know, I was diagnosed with depression and anxiety, from high school on and was on a various cocktail of antidepressants. And then I had postpartum depression and postpartum anxiety. And then, uh, and now it's like the now it's basically perimenopause, the giant question mark of hormones all the time Ugh, following me everywhere I go. <laughs> um, so, you know, and I just, anytime I think about um, a woman who has like a child under the age of three or four, I just want to give her a hug because like, I remember how horrible or just how it wasn't horrible. It was lovely, but it was just so difficult. You know, it was and a lot. It was a lot. It is a lot. And I can't, I mean, a part of me thinks like, wouldn't, would an ADHD diagnosis have helped during that time? Yes, absolutely. But at the same time, like, what do you do with that information when you still aren't getting, you know, aren't sleeping at night or, you know, like sure. you, when you have that level, when you're just, you know, your cup is like always full and, and you're just getting jostled over and over and over again and overflowing everywhere. All right. Let me get back to, I, I, again, I don't, I, I initially was asking the question of like, looking back at your life, you talked a little bit about, um, being a kid, you know, what are some of the things in your past where you think, oh my God, the signs were there all along. How did nobody see this? Um, so something I've, I've, I've seen and heard and, you know, read a lot about on social media when I, when I put my tweets out there and stuff, uh, is everyone can relate to when I talk about how my teachers would always be like, Sydney has great potential, but she doesn't listen. She talks a lot. Her desk is unorganized. Like that in itself, like my mother should have been like, 
mm, okay, let's, you know, instead of, instead of exploring that, she was more of a, you know, she was very much a disciplinary person. So I would get in trouble if my teacher called and said, Sydney's desk is unorganized, or she forgot her homework again, or she didn't do her homework. Like, so it was stuff like that, that when I look back, it kind of makes me angry um, that she didn't, because my dad, I, I, my dad was like, my parents were married when I was a little kid, uh, but my dad was in the army and I'm pretty sure I got my ADHD from him. Um, so my dad wasn't really home a lot, but uh, so my mom was in charge of all the discipline stuff. So first of all, all of that, everything the teacher would say about, you know, I have potential, but mm, you know, and then how at home I would get really, really angry and still looking back on like when I got older, like when I was a teenager, I, you know, the emotional dysregulation aspect of it, like I would just get really into my feelings when I was angry about something that I didn't need to be that angry about. Um, but that all just kind of like built up and up and up. And then finally it was like, I told you when I was sitting in chemistry class and I'm just staring off into space when I really wanted to be in there and paying attention. So just like a lifetime of frustrations basically, but it Mm. started as long as I can remember. Yeah, I know. I mean, I have a really hard time, you know, I, I, obviously my parents, did what they could, you know? And so I don't have a lot of anger toward them, but there are moments where I'm just like, why did nobody get me a fucking tutor? Like, <laughs> like how, like I had, you know, because for me, like I had the same experience, which was just like, my grades went off a cliff around middle school. And so whether that's hormones, whether that was structure and independence or, you know, expectations, all of the above, I don't know, but I just sort of felt like my mother took the, the, she took the point of view, which is like, well, not everybody can be a straight A student and that's fine. And she really wanted me to feel like I was still had worth without getting the grades, but like, no, but you know, there was a part of me that even then felt like I had an undiagnosed learning disorder. And, and yet still, I never thought like, maybe I should have some help or some tutor. Like it, it was like, why did it not occur to anybody that, um, I could have had some help, you know, and, and that's one of the things I really grapple with now, which is like, as a parent, what am I not seeing with my kids? You know, that we're yeah, all like I, in 30 years, they're going to look back and be like, why did you, how did you allow this to happen? And me being like, I don't know. I miss a lot. There's a lot of stuff I tend to miss. I, I feel like I've become very hypervigilant as a parent with ADHD. And I see a lot of signs, you know, I don't want to just be quick to diagnose my son. Of course, he's only five, but, um, you know, I, I'm more patient with him. I feel like than my mother was patient with me. So Mm. I'm trying my best when it comes to parenting and looking out and, you know, encouraging instead of disciplining for behaviors that might be related to, uh, you know, like a neurodevelopmental or a neuro, um, neurological disorder. Yeah. Yeah. Unfortunately, my mom has passed away before I was even diagnosed because I feel like there's so much I want to go back and and talk to her about. What's it like talking to your parents about your diagnosis? Do they feel did they feel like, oh, yeah, that makes sense? Um, Well, my dad, he lives over in the Netherlands. Uh, He'll actually be here this weekend, but I've sent him a few things like, hey, I'm pretty sure you're uh, ADHD because I have ADHD. And he's like, hmm. And he started to kind of suspect it a little bit. You know, he's in his early 50s. Um, I don't talk to my mom anymore. She walked out of my life, um, like four, four years ago. So there was, there was always kind of turbulence there. And, 
um, just one thing led to another with her new husband and we don't, we're not on speaking terms anymore. Gotcha. Um, yeah, I feel like I have managed, I, I feel like I'm slowly converting a bunch of people <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> uh, through my own openness. And, and it's interesting too, because I feel like, you know, I'm sure you'll relate to this. Like there's this sense of advocacy that a lot of us experience around ADHD, this feeling of like, if I can save one person from going through the experience that I went through, it will have made it all worth it. Right. Exactly. That's, that's exactly why I started doing what I'm doing. Like, I remember that feeling of realizing this is what I have. This is me. I like, it was just an amazing discovery. And I felt like, you know, yeah, I have ADHD. Like sometimes it is a struggle, but it was just nice to know, to understand why I was the way that I was. And I did the things I did. And I want to make other people feel that way as much as I can. Like, I want to give that to anybody that I can that has ADHD. I know. Same. Right. And then I feel like it is so misunderstood, especially by medical professionals. And I'll probably get flack for this, but like I had a really great experience with my diagnosis. I can't believe some of the nightmare stories I have heard from some women who are um, negated by medical professionals or Mm -hmm. even your experience, you know, I don't believe it is, or people outgrow it or like all of this, like outdated information. And then, you know, I think about how many women have read the literature, have felt more seen by, by ADHD than they felt by anything else in their life, you know, um, and then go to a doctor and have the experience where the doctor's like, nah, I think it's just, it's just depression, you know, or you're right. just a mom. Or hormones. Or, right. Exactly. Like, no, it's just, you know, quit complaining and just get your act together. Exactly. <laughs> mm-hmm. Um, and, and again, so I feel like it's so important to kind of disseminate this information, but also, you know, widen the net to such to a degree in terms of like our shared experiences and our shared stories and being like, yeah, actually road rage has to do with ADHD and impulsive shopping has to do with ADHD and anxiety and rumination over conversations is ADHD, you know, like all of these things that fall under the umbrella that people don't understand or realize. And they're certainly not going to get from, you know, medical texts or studies. Mm -hmm. Exactly. That's why I like, that's why I really like, you know, how many people are doing what uh, me and you are doing because, you know, you read all these medical studies. I'm very big into like, I love reading about science. Uh, But when you read about ADHD, they're like from a cohort of 12, nine-year-old boys from New Hampshire. It's like, okay, can we talk about, you know, the single mother, the, uh, the, the teenage girl, you know, like not just these little boys that have it. So like when you read about ADHD, it's very specific to these little boys. And that's why I like, you know, putting out the surveys that I put out on Twitter because I'm including everybody. I'm including the trans and non-binary communities. You know, I'm not just looking at a small cohort of nine-year-old to 10-year-old boys that have ADHD. So I like doing this because it lets other people see what everyone's experiences. And I like to stress that everyone's experience with ADHD is going to be different. Um, but it's nice to see that, you know, someone out there you're going to relate to, they may not relate to the medical literature, but they may relate to this other person that's talking about their experience. And that is so important to Mm -hmm. me. Yeah. You know, I interviewed, um, Danielle Maitiv, who is a scientist and she said something really interesting that I hadn't thought about, which is like the difference between science brain, the scientist brain and the medical professional brain, where she was like, scientists 
are looking for answers, right? They are seekers. They're always, you know, their MO is always like, but why, but why is this happening? What is the source? But (laughs) why? And she was like, a medical professional is like interested in like, what is the quickest way to fix this? (laughs) Right. Exactly. And and how do we make this go away? And so I'm like, I think about that all the time now in terms of that, like, you know, who is the person that we are seeking help from? Are they a person who is willing to kind of go down those rabbit holes and figure Mm -hmm. out like, why is this happening? And really kind of listen to these symptoms and wanting to solve the puzzle along with us. Or are they somebody who's like, how can we make this go away as fast as possible? I want to take a minute to let you know about the new women and ADHD online community. One thing I hear time and time again from listeners of this podcast is, wow, these interviews make me feel so much less alone. And I totally agree. I believe finding our people and sharing our lived experiences is such an integral part of successfully managing our ADHD. So I've put together this online community for listeners of the podcast where we can come together in a safe, intimate environment and make friends and obsessively ponder our neurodivergent brains with other brilliant like-minded women. And we never have to apologize for simply being ourselves. With your membership, you also have access to all sorts of exclusive content like early access to this podcast, written transcripts of the episodes, and a free copy of my audiobook, Worth It, A Journey to Food and Body Freedom. You also have the option to upgrade at any time in order to participate in regular body doubling sessions and live member hangouts on Zoom with me and other members where we discuss life with our ADHD brains. So head over to womenandadhd.com to join us or find the link in the show notes. All right. I hope to see you there soon. Okay. This is going to be a side note, but it might be relevant. Um, So I'm kind of dealing with something similar, uh, but with reproductive health. So um, I'm not sure if you knew, but this past year I've had two miscarriages Um, and I am pretty sure, you know, since the age of 14, when I started uh, menstruating, I have known that I've had endometriosis and my mother had this and, you know, every month I'm in pain and it's gotten worse since my miscarriages. Like I'm in excruciating, severe pain. Um, And I've told doctors this my whole life. I'm like, I think I have endometriosis. It hurts. It hurts. And every single doctor is like, no, it's probably just period cramps. Like they don't, they don't look for it. They don't test for it. And I'm finding that that's just seems to be the medical fields. Like, you know, no hate on doctors. Like there are some really great ones out there, but sometimes doctors will look at women specifically and be like, yeah, no, I, I think you're just, you know, exaggerating a little bit, you know, you're, you're, you're going to be fine. So I have had to schedule appointments with specialists and my, my appointment that's scheduled for my endometriosis, uh, consultation to try to get a a laparoscopy and surgery and get it all out of there is in April. Like that is how hard it is to get heard by a doctor when you're a woman. Oh yeah. Well, and then you think about the ADHD element too, in terms of the amount of barriers that we experience, even just making the appointments you know, like making the phone calls and like the executive function that is required and like Mm -hmm. remembering to follow up and to advocate for yourself and to put your symptoms, even being able to articulate symptoms into words. And then remembering in the moment what those are like, it just feels like there are so (laughs) many overwhelming barriers to getting help. And, And the irony is not lost on any of us in terms of like, 
when you have ADHD, you know, how, um, it, it just, the system has set it up so that it is virtually impossible. Yes. And not just the making appointments, but like remembering to fill your prescriptions if you're on medication, like it's, it's ironic, you know, like everything that's required to get yourself diagnosed and continue to treat yourself is, is a struggle daily. I mean, I feel like I should backpedal and say I'm not anti-medical professional by any means. They have to certainly <laughs> serve, serve a purpose. But I think it's an interesting kind of way to think about like the different brains and how they approach problems. Oh, yeah. And like you, it should be a red flag. If you were in a doctor's office and you were explaining something and the doctor is just like, no, I don't think that's it. That should be a red flag in itself, right? Yes. As opposed yes. to like, tell me more. Why do you feel this way? You know, like, I feel like we are so quickly lose that sense of empowerment when we're sitting in a doctor's office. And it's really when, you know, in the moment right now, when I'm thinking about it, I'm not in a doctor's office. I'm like, God, these are all these things that we should be doing. When I'm sitting in a doctor's office, I'm like, uh, I'm totally tongue tied. and like, uh, okay, whatever you want. Oh, you're ushering me out now. Okay. Goodbye. <laughs> like, you know, like all of it, it just feels tragic to me sometimes. Yeah. Um, I have had some, uh, I have had, uh, nurse practitioners who have been fantastic in terms of like, you know, listening and really like, I don't think I think you can have that questioning mindset and still be a medical professional. Oh, yeah. I don't want to say it's like a sweeping generalization, but I do feel like I, I just, I feel so um, upset at how many stories I have heard about women who have been basically told, no, I think you're wrong. Sorry. I think it's X, Y. And you're like, wow, I have just, you know, the more I read and the more I research, like you said, like the more I know this is what it is. Like I feel it in my bones. And I think we're just kind of taught over time to stop listening to that intuitive voice. Yeah, exactly. Because I was just about to say, you know, where it's devastating, you know, you put that much effort into learning about something that you think that you have, you know, you read everything that you can, you spend hours and hours, you know, making lists and being like, okay, maybe this is what I have. And you just want answers and you make the phone call, which is really hard for us to do. You go in and sit in the waiting room, which is hard for us to do. And you sit there and you open up and tell a stranger about things. And you feel like you're complaining, but you're, you're trying to get answers. And then when they say, yeah, no, no, probably not. Like that just, it, it kills like the momentum. And like you said, it just, it just ruins any future, you know, hope of you actually advocating for yourself. And I, I, I just really want to be able to encourage women, especially to continue to try to advocate them for themselves. And I think that what you're doing is, is going to definitely help with that. Um, yeah, I mean, that's, I think, in, well, uh, well, you too. I mean, <laughs> let's, this seems like a good segue to talk about, uh, what in the ADHD and, and your videos and, um, what you started because it hasn't been that long, right? It's only been basically since, since about the beginning ish of the year. I, um, I really started getting a little, I, I made the account in December, but I was, I became more active, um, in January. It started really picking up steam in May. Um, and I, after I had my miscarriages, I was like, all right, I am not going to be able to defend because I'm supposed to, I'm, currently a master's student. Um, I'm supposed to defend my thesis in microbiology and genetics. Uh, it was supposed to be on July 21st. Um, but my second miscarriage was on my birthday uh, on July 7th. And I'm like, all right, um, I need a break. 
And I'm realizing that working helps and I love doing this as work. Um, so I, you know, put something out there. I'm like, if anybody wants to help me with, you know, I love making videos. I really love science. So all my videos and all my blog posts and everything is based on science. I explain it in a simple way. I have, I have teaching experience from when I was a TA. So um, I feel like I have strength in explaining kind of complex ideas in an, in a way for um, anyone to understand. And I can't do this by myself. Like, it's so difficult. Like, you know, um, you know, you, you, you record, you have to edit, you have to go through and, you know, put in like long descriptions for things. You have to write blog posts. Like it, 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 it takes a while, like recording and editing a video or podcast, like it could take hours and hours. Um, so I needed help and I put a couple of tweets out there and now I have like a whole mini team of people that like, I have a personal assistant who helps me with things and I have a graphic designer and we have like a new data guy who runs statistical analyses on all my surveys. Um, but together we're all just working to normalize discussion about ADHD and ADHD comorbidities and symptoms that maybe people didn't know about. But then I also like to sprinkle in fun things every once in a while. Like, tell me what it's like having ADHD, but using only GIFs, you know, <laughs> stuff like that. So I just, I like to sprinkle in, you know, kind of different aspects at first that, that anyone could enjoy. Hopefully, you know, hopefully people can find one thing they like about what we do. And hopefully that can help them you know, open up to a medical professional about getting diagnosed. I've actually had lots of people send me a message privately and say, thank you so much for doing what you do. I'm, I'm going in, I called, I made the appointment. I'm, I'm going in to get my diagnosis today. Thank you so much. Like that means so much to me. And that's why I continue to do what I do and talk about the science and normalize it and be goofy altogether. That reminds me, I've, I've had a couple, I've had, I've interviewed quite a few women now since my podcast has been out for a while who were listeners of the podcast who kind of talk about how their own understanding of their own ADHD through listening to the podcast, which has been nice. But I've had like two guests who actually like realized they had ADHD through me. Huh. Isn't this amazing, right? It is. I feel like I'm like the ADHD midwife, you know, it's <laughs> <laughs> like... It is. It is amazing because it really feels like, yeah, um, like I said, like it just, it feels so good to help others. I do sometimes get overwhelmed by people reaching out and wanting a lot from me Oh, <laughs> in I terms agree. of like, like that, you know, getting the same questions over and over again. So yes. I'm like trying to automate, like, where do I put the resources so that I can just send people to this one place instead of cutting and pasting the same messages <laughs> over and over again. Um, or, you know, or then sometimes I'm like, somebody emailed me and it fell through the cracks and then I forgot to email them back. And then I felt terrible about it. Like, I'm like, there's all of these other side elements that I'm struggling with. Oh yeah. I, I agree. Like, you know, you want to help people, you gain popularity, but then the problem is you also have ADHD. So <laughs> keeping up with, keeping up with emails, keeping up with messages and requests to come on and talk about stuff, like it can be overwhelming. And that's definitely where my uh, personal assistant comes in handy. Like she's, she does all of that for me and I feel better now because I would feel terrible. Like you said about seeing that I had a message request from four weeks ago and I'm like, Oh my God, I can't, I'm so sorry. <laughs> yeah, I know. Right. Um, yeah. Even I think asking for help is a topic that I've spoken with a lot of guests about, you know, how hard it is for us to ask for help and how important it is 
to get help. You know how, yes, I think um, that was an early realization for me, like how I really should not expect to be doing everything on my own. And like, why do we assume we can do everything on our own? I, I mean, I think it's for a lot of reasons, but I think, I think for the most part, like it's really difficult to stop yourself, especially if you're in the middle of a hyper-focus to sort of stop and then articulate and think about, okay, so what do I need help with? Uh, what can I do by myself? How do I balance the help I do get? And then how do I ask them for the help? What, how do I even articulate the help to the other person? And then what happens if they do it wrong? Then I have to deal with the like mm-hmm. RSD of, of, of mm-hmm. correcting them and then worrying about their feeling. <laughs> like, you know, yes. like, there are so many ways in which it's easier to be like, you know what, I'm just going to do it myself and I'll stay up for 24 hours straight. <laughs> yes. <laughs> or, and you know. I feel like you said about the hyperfocus, like something I have had to really work on, I'm still working on it is you know, stopping myself being like, okay, recognizing when I'm hyper-focusing on something and really asking myself, okay, why am I doing this exact task right now? Is there an easier way to do it? You know, like, can I break it up? Like I need to start getting better at doing that because sometimes I will spend like eight hours sitting in the same position, working on the same thing, because, because if I get up, it'll distract me. And, and I know that. So I just sit here, but I need to get better at it. Cause it's unhealthy. You know, I've had, I've started getting really bad nerve pain because I sit in hyperfocus for such a long time. Um, no, I hear you. I love your graphic elements. I love the humor and your videos, especially. I love the fact that you think to add in like bloopers in your video or just, I don't know, the way that you edit your videos is very refreshing and very amusing. And I really appreciate it. Yeah. I try not to be, um, I try not to be, there's a lot of, uh, ADHD advocates out there, which I I don't want to diss them or anything. Like I appreciate every single one of them. It's a hard job to do. Um, but I try not to be too toxically positive, if that makes sense. Like I try not to be like, ADHD is your superpower. We can do it. It makes me amazing. Like, you know, that's like, yeah, there are some good aspects, but, but let's talk about like the struggles and let's talk about what's happening inside of our brain that makes it that way and what we can do to combat it and cope with it. You know, like I, 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 I try to stay away from too much of the, you know, positivity stuff. If That makes me sound terribly negative, but <laughs> No, absolutely. I, I, I'm the same way. I feel like, you know, I think there are ways in which we credit and I certainly credit my ADHD for most of the great things I've done in my life. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, but at the same time, yeah, like I don't feel like it serves anybody to ignore what life and especially a life undiagnosed can be, you know, like oh, how yeah. many struggles we have faced. And, sure. and even when you do know about your ADHD, even when you are diagnosed, there's a whole host of other issues. And I, yeah, who, it doesn't serve anybody to, to focus entirely on the superpower element, just like it doesn't serve you to only talk about how it's a disorder or a disability and talk about right. it like it's a terminal illness, because mm-hmm. I don't think, I don't think that serves us either. So yeah, it feels like it's incredibly nuanced and um, re- needs you know, a a much, what's the word I'm looking for? Myopic, less myopic look. I don't know what I'm trying to say. A (laughs) well-rounded, I'm making like a circular Like a full picture. Right. The full. Yes, the whole picture. Something. I have problems. I I will, uh, like, if I can't figure out how I want to word something, I will spend about 30 minutes on Google. Like, what's another way to say? And then I type it in. And then I'm like looking at the origins of all these words and phrases. And then I realize I'm like, wait, what am I doing? I need to go back and (laughs) finish this email. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I know I, this 
the thesaurus is my best friend. Yes, that is my favorite thing in the world. <laughs> yeah, right. Um, so, you know, speaking of ADHD, oh, that was what my point when I was talking about your graphics <laughs> and like your, the fun of your videos and the pun of your name and everything. Like, I love that. And I also kind of assume that that all came from your brain, right? Like, oh, yeah. like yes. Um, <laughs> so I love when I come upon somebody and I just see like all the different creative elements where you're like, I am a scientist, but I also like am a whiz at graphic design. <laughs> <laughs> like, yeah, because oh, hyper focus on hobbies. I'm like, I'm, I'm, I'm kind of good at a lot of things, but I'm not really good at anything. Right? <laughs> exactly. I know that's my new my new um, approach to feeling good about hobbies and the fact that I never finish anything is that like my favorite yeah. hobby is trying new things. <laughs> and I, I refuse yeah. to get angry at myself because I don't finish anything. You know, I'm just like that's, oh, a, that's, that's a good not, way to look at it. Right? I'm just like no, my hobby is like moving, flitting from one thing to another and discovering new things with childlike enthusiasm and then dropping them when they get boring and that's fine. <laughs> like, I think, right. Like I think a lot of my own journey with ADHD has been kind of changing that narrative, changing that, the, the way we define ourselves and, and changing, like, you know, having a sense of humor about some of those struggles that we are going through and also mm -hmm. like feeling like, yeah, it's really not the end of the world. If your house is dirty, like it, you know, are you doing things because you need to do them and you feel like you should do them and you feel like you'll be judged by society if you don't do them, or are you yes. doing them because they suit you and you found the motivation and you found the, the, the reason, you know, and we really need good reasons to do things. <laughs> yes. It doesn't work well if we feel like we should do things. Um, and, and so, you know, cleaning your house is important, but again, it's all about like figuring out, taking away the kind of, uh, moral charge of like, I am a bad person because I don't do X or Y. And that's a, this is a whole rant that I could go on for days, but, um, the whole aspect of when we think of something, you know, when we think of something that we do or one of our behaviors as bad or lazy, like that is because that's how society labels us, not because that's what we are. You know, we, we just require different, um, different materials and things to actually be able to function at the same level as neurotypicals in our society. And, you know, our society is kind of like, um, they have, made us believe throughout our lives that we are lazy. And when we, you know, when we want to do something, but we literally cannot like, oh, well, you must not, you know, care enough. You know, we do. It's just, there's that executive dysfunction. And yes, I, like I said, a whole rant, but I agree that, you know, relabeling some of the things that you do, you know, not in a toxically positive way, but, but not in the toxically negative way that came from society either. Right. Yeah. And then, you know, most of our childhood being told like we weren't reaching our potential and, yeah, yes, <laughs> you know, exactly. and being told there was something wrong with us or fix it or just do it or all of these things that made us sort of constantly internalize the sense of like, I'm doing it wrong. I'm, I don't know what's wrong, but I, I need to fix it, you know, and all of these mm -hmm. ways that we've taken it on ourselves over the years. This podcast is sponsored by BetterHelp. If you're a regular listener of this podcast, you know I am very open about my own experiences with therapy. I've been seeing the same therapist for years, and it was my therapist who first suggested I had ADHD and set me on this personal path of transformation. But it also took a while to find the right fit for me, which is why it is so awesome that online resources like BetterHelp exist. 
BetterHelp is not a crisis line. It is not self-help. It is professional counseling done securely online from the comfort of your home. And it's available for clients worldwide. So you get access to a broad range of expertise, which might not be available locally. If you visit their website and read through their testimonials, there are actually quite a few reviews that specifically reference help with ADHD. As a special offer for listeners of the Women and ADHD podcast, you'll get 10% off of your first month. Simply sign up at betterhelp.com slash women ADHD. That's betterhelp, H-E-L-P.com slash women ADHD. So what would you say you love most about your ADHD? I like that I'm fun. I'm a fun mom. I I actually just posted a video on Twitter this morning. Uh, I was in the drop-off line with my son. And, you know, I like the hyperactive element comes into play when I'm trying to make my son smile. And I was like singing the I'm a gummy bear song and the peanut butter jelly time song. And he's just sitting there like, mama. <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't know. Like, and I come up with fun things for us to do. I I'm always up for things that he asks about. Like last night we were eating Nutella and pretzels and he was like, are pretzels made out of bread? And I'm like, that is a great question. And then we watched YouTube videos on how like sandwich crackers are made and you know how they push the steam out through the holes in the cracker and like we learn a lot of things together because he's curious and instead of me answering his why questions with because I answer them with that's a great question I don't know let's find out like and I feel like that has a lot to do with my ADHD because you know I'm always like like a scientist I feel like ADHD brains are kind of like scientists you know we want to know why why we have to google things we have to search for things we have to learn about them and I feel like that part of my ADHD makes me a fun, decent mother to my son. And you absolutely can't go to bed until you get the answer. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. We were up until like 10:30 last night. And my husband's like, he has school tomorrow. And I'm like, okay, sorry, let's go now. Night. <laughs> no, no, no. I you're right. It's like I can't watch a show without IMDB on like in the background yes. because I'm like, I know that guy from somewhere. Where do I know that guy from somewhere? I have to know. And I like I can't concentrate on the show until I figured oh. it all out. And um, but it's true. That's a great point. Like I think it is the science mind, but I think a lot of us with ADHD have that science mind, that that mindset of like, you know, I, I always joke about like you'll ask somebody what their favorite color is and somebody will say green you ask somebody with ADHD what their favorite color is and they'll be like I don't know I think it's green but why do I like green what is it about green which green do I like what even is green it was purple <laughs> last week why did it change like what what happened uh, what in my it, life <laughs> what does it say about me that I like this color yeah so um but well, yeah it's a good point with parenting because I feel like one of my favorite things to do as a parent is is to say let's google that right like yeah, if they don't exactly. know anything I get excited because it's a chance for us both to learn. And like even doing projects, like I remember my daughter had to do a a huge project in the third grade on Singapore. And it was like the first experience I had had as a parent on like how much fun it is to do these projects now as a parent, (laughs) as opposed to be how miserable they were as a student. Right, right. Um, But just being like, holy crap, I learned so much about this random information. Those are my favorite books too, are random fact books. (laughs) Yes, we um, last (laughs) random funny side story. uh, The other night he wanted to read a book that my grandmother got him. She's from Arizona about uh, Gila monsters. And he's like, I want to read this book. I'm like, okay. So it's right before bedtime. We're getting all snuggly. And it was one of those fun fact books. And I'm like, okay, which part do you want to read about? And he's like, I want to read about their meals, like what they eat. I'm like, okay. So I flipped to that page and it starts out nice, but then it gets to 
The Gila monster penetrates its victims with its fangs as the poison slowly sleeps in, seeps into it and paralyzes it. And I'm like, oh my God, this is terrible. He's like, no, mama, keep reading. I want to know. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, like a lot of those fun fact things, like I don't know, I wouldn't have known anything about Beetlejuice, the giant star or black holes because my son asked questions and I'm like, let's learn about it, you know? Mm-hmm. So that makes me... You know, I'm learning more and I'm, I feel like I'm a fun, you know, teaching parent with my son, if that makes sense. Yeah. I find that as I age too, and I guess this is also an an estrogen memory perimenopause thing, but like 90% of the time I don't retain any of that information either, which is a little frustrating. (laughs) Like I, my mind is like a sieve now. Um, And I'm still fascinated (laughs) by all of those facts, but like, I can't hold on to anything the way I used to. Yeah, I could see that. And uh, random side facts. I plan I plan on uh, doing a video about this at, at one point, at some point, because um, I've learned a lot about after, you know, after after my miscarriages, I've, I've learned a lot about hormones and like progesterone and estrogen and estradiol or estra, estradiol, one of those two. Um, and estrogen actually has a lot to do with how our ADHD affects us uh, with the estrogen receptors in your brain and um, how they fluctuate different times of the month, like different levels of estrogen can definitely, you know, exacerbate your, um, ADHD symptoms. And I want to do a whole video and blog on it at some point. So look out for that. (laughs) I will. I, you know, it is something that I get really invested and really interested in. And then I kind of hit a wall where I'm like, oh my God, it's too overwhelming. Nobody has any answers. (laughs) There's too many factors (laughs) and too many things at play and we're just never going to know. And, and then I'm, you know, and then I'm like, you know, we'll fall down a rabbit hole a few weeks later again. Yep. Um, it is, it is, uh, yeah, again, like I'm like, and then you bring in like the idea of the gut biome, right? And then you think about like all of these revelations they're having about, yes. about hormones that yes, are created yes. in the gut now. And I'm like, oh, come on. Like, why is it so complicated? <laughs> yeah, that's, that's, that's kind of my goal with, with the contents that I'm going to be putting out because I've, I've recently, um, I actually just did last week, I, or a week or two ago, I, I did the paperwork. I'm going to be an official LLC for what in the ADHD. So like, I'm going to do this full time and, um, wait, 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 pause. Wait, what were we talking about right before that? I got sidetracked. Uh, we were talking about kind of, um, you know, the overwhelming amount of information out there. Yes, yes, yes. Okay. So that's what I want to do with my content is there's information on this website about X. There's information on this blog about Y. There's information on this video about Z. And I want to combine all of them into like a basic, simple, you know, just chunk of information so that people don't have to like look up different things. Cause I know how that goes. You're like, okay, well, I read something about this here, but then you get distracted on the way over when you go to Google and you see your recent searches and <laughs> it's a mess, but I want to combine all of that for everybody. Yeah, absolutely. And I like that. I think it was in your about section on your website where you were saying like, you know, that you're aware of how inaccessible so much of this language can feel to so many Mm -hmm. of us if we don't have the proper background that led us to that point. You know, like I think there's moments in time where things land very differently based on how much other information you have at the time. Mm -hmm. And so, um, yeah, I love the fact that, you know, anyone, anyone who can bring in a level of expertise in terms of making this information more palatable is fantastic. And I think also goes back to that, like that advocacy piece, which is like how empathetic you feel toward Mm -hmm. others who have been struggling and had no idea that, that it could be this. Right. 
If you prefer listening to your books like I do, then I have some great news for you. My book, Worth It, A Journey to Food and Body Freedom, is now available as an audiobook. In the book, I share my own sordid history with yo-yo dieting and binge eating and how I finally broke free. I also break down the six essential steps that helped me finally find food and body freedom. If you're sick and tired of the yo-yo dieting and binge eating cycle, and you are ready to heal your relationship with food and your body, you're gonna wanna drop everything and listen to my book. It is a game changer, if I do say so myself. Reviewers have called it inspiring, insightful, amazing, refreshingly honest, and a must read for anyone for whom the dieting cycle has failed. So now you can find Worth It, A Journey to Food and Body Freedom on Audible or iTunes or Amazon or wherever you find your audiobooks. Happy listening. Now, now speaking of um, the inaccessibility of language, what would you, would you rename ADHD to something else? Do you feel like it's a problematic acronym or do you feel like I, knowing what you know now that it's actually pretty accurate? I do. I don't like the name um, for several reasons, but like a big part of it is, you know, there's the three subtypes of ADHD. There's predominantly inattentive, uh, hyperactive, impulsive, and there's combined type. But now, you know, they did away with ADD and they're like, okay, well, you have ADHD. And people think, well, I'm not hyperactive. Mm -hmm. And while I have gone into, you know, depths explaining that you can be internally hyperactive instead of physically hyperactive, people still don't like that word. And it's, it's not an attention deficit also. Like we have too much attention. We just can't regulate it. So right. I feel like it should be named something along the lines of like attention dysregulation syndrome or something like, you know, we have all the attention. We just don't have the dopamine to um, regulate where the attention needs to go. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. And even the term disorder, I think can be a barrier for a lot of people too. I think it kind of medicalizes what I'm starting to think more, you know, I feel like for me personally, it's far more, um, I, it's easier for me to think about ADHD as in terms of like a neurotype of brain that you're born mm -hmm. with. Right. And, and mm -hmm. it sort of dictates how you move through the world. Uh, and so again, like I think the, calling it a disorder really feels like it does it a disservice because then you're kind of thinking of it in terms of like, a medical diagnosis. Like, like I remember, like even when I came out and said I was diagnosed with ADHD, there were so many people in my life who were like, I'm so sorry, as though I had come out and said I had cancer. And I was like, no, actually, this is the greatest thing that's ever exactly, happened to yeah. me. Um, <laughs> this explains so much and it's so revelatory. And, and, you know, I think that there's ways in which it's presented as this like horrible thing that needs to be tamed and cured through the medication. You're like, no, that's not how it is at all. Uh, you know, never mind. You know what? Just forget it. I'm just not going to talk to you about it anymore. Right. Right. <laughs> um, and so it's that feeling of like, there's just so much about the, the, the acronym and the, and I think the diagnosis um, journey that, misrepresents what it is and what people are experiencing and then also how to live with it and how to quote unquote treat it, you know, even yes. treating it. I feel like I need to put quotation marks around it because again, <laughs> it's like, it's mostly like, how can I, how can I, you know, lean into my strengths and, and set myself up for success? It's not necessarily like, what are the ways in which I'm going to cure myself of this? Right. For sure. Uh, yeah, I know. I, sometimes I feel like it's unfair to ask 
that question because I certainly don't have the answer to that question. <laughs> but I'm also just like endlessly seeking, like maybe there is, maybe there's going to be something because I don't necessarily feel like vast is is a great alternative. Yeah, and it's I also don't like impossible word, to Google. Yeah, I don't like I don't like the word trait because it's not a trait. It's a it's a it's a whole collection of traits and behaviors and habits. And um, I liked what you said about neurotype. Um, but I still feel like while, while I don't like the word disorder, I feel like it still needs to be associated with um, for some people, it can be a disability, mm -hmm. you know, and, and we want to make sure that if it does change in the future, we want to make sure that we keep that in there because some people really benefit from the accommodations that they uh, have for their ADHD. And if we were to take away that aspect of it, they might take away the aspect of helping us too. Yeah, that's a really good point. I think, yeah, there needs to be some element to the seriousness of the, of the, I guess the disorder where, you know, where it's like, you, there has to be a way to kind of, I guess, protect against that mentality of like, oh, it's overdiagnosed or everyone's a mm -hmm. little ADHD or that ADHD is sort of like a, a flightiness that, um, that there is some real struggle and some real hurt and, and, um, help is required. And yeah, no, it's true. It's true. I don't know. <laughs> we don't know. That's, that's why we are who we are, we don't right? know. <laughs> but I will not rest until I find the answers. Exactly. <laughs> uh, so congratulations on, on doing this full time. That's super exciting. And, mm -hmm. um, I'm sure a very interesting journey too. Um, so, so we've talked a bit about what, is, what is what in the ADHD? Like, how would you, how do you describe it to people? And also I wanted to ask you about the surveys on Twitter. Are you doing anything with that information? Are you, are you oh. creating a, a database or what's going on with that? Yeah. So, um, all, the surveys are, uh, it started with, um, I know I've referenced this a lot, but you know, I, I actually got a lot out of what I tried to do with advocacy for uh, when I had my first miscarriage. Um, I was going to create an NPO for that. Long story short, the board members couldn't because they had a lot going on with their life. Um, so I just donated all that money to another charity. But um, I did surveys with that. And I learned that people like to, you know, talk about their experiences, especially anonymously. So I was like, hmm, so I tweeted one day, I'm like, hey, would you guys like if I just did surveys? And at first I would cap it at 100 because I didn't know how sheets worked. But now I know how to like actually filter things and it's it's fun. Um, but I what I do with the surveys is I pick a topic and it's actually very difficult coming up with, you know, questions and options for those questions and making sure all of those questions would actually put out useful and interesting information as a whole. Um, and then what I'm doing with them now is I have, it takes a long time to analyze them, but once I do, I make charts and I'm slowly putting them. I have my personality types and I'm, I started working on um, comorbidities yesterday and I put them all on my website. So there's a tab on my website that says surveys and stats. You click on it and then you can pick any of the topics and then view and read about um, what the results were. And then my brand as a whole, I just, I just want to, I want to do two things with two different communities. With the ADHD community, I want to, you know, help everyone see that they're not alone. That is my big motto for the ADHD community. You know, you're not alone. What you're dealing with is very common. I know the neurotypicals in your life may roll their eyes at you, may say that you're not XYZ, may say that you're lazy, say may that you don't may say that you don't have ADHD, but 
I want to open up a community. And I feel like I've, I'm doing pretty well with that so far where people see that what they're dealing with is, is common for us, you know, not neurotypicals, but for us. And for the neurotypicals, I want to, you know, show them, you know, we're not just OMG squirrel. Like that's not what ADHD is. You know, we, we struggle with different things. We struggle with time management, with uh, starting tasks, with continuing tasks, with uh, motivation. You know, we, with the ADHD paralysis, we want to do things, but we cannot start the task, you know? So I want to educate the neurotypicals. And I try to do that by making all of my information accessible and fun, you know, like try to hold everyone's attention. And I want to make everybody in my community feel like they're seen, they're heard, they're valid, and they're not alone. Aww. I love it. Well, you're doing a fantastic job and um, I love your videos. It, where would you suggest somebody start out at, at what in the ADHD.com? Like, cause I can, yeah. I will link to your website, but I also want to link to your Twitter and your YouTube. Is there somewhere? Yeah. Is there a, a I have, um, uh, so I'm not doing Twitch streams anymore for now. Um, but I have my website might be a good place to start to get, um, different types of information. Cause I have blogs up there and then there's links to all my other information up there, but, um, definitely also my YouTube. I'm so close to being able to monetize on YouTube. Um, I have over 2000 subscribers and I am like, I'm a couple hundred watch hours away from being able to monetize, uh, uh, which, you know, like not, I'm not all about the money, but that will definitely help me to continue doing this full time. You know, mm -hmm. if I'm making yeah. money doing it, then I can keep doing it. So for sure. Same. I hope people like, I, you know, I'm starting to put commercials on my, on my podcast and I'm like, I hope people are fairly gracious about that stuff. Yeah. Hopefully they understand, <laughs> you know, like everyone has to make money too. There's some people that don't think that people like me and you deserve compensation, like we're just entertainment. And, you know, I, I really also, I'm candid with it too. I'm like, you know, I've spent a lot of my own money with on equipment and everything. Like you have a nice microphone there. I'm sure, I'm sure that wasn't cheap. So yeah, right. Yeah, we we want to try, like, we want to help, but also, like, it doesn't hurt to at least break even with what we're putting into it. Oh, my goodness. Don't even get me started on all of the, like, barriers to entrepreneurialism. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's not other, easy. Right? I know. Maybe I'll have you back for another <laughs> another, another, another talk about entrepreneur and ADHD-ism. <laughs> uh, I know, right? Uh, um, and yet, I can't work for anyone else because I am who I am. Um, exactly. <laughs> Well, it's been so lovely. I've been really looking forward to to getting to meet you and chat with you. And I love what you are doing and putting out there for the ADHD community. And you do it with such um, with such humor, and you're so likable. And um, so, thank you for everything you're doing. Thank you, thank you for having me on, and for you know doing what you're doing. There you have it. Thank you for listening. And I really hope you enjoyed this episode of the Women and ADHD podcast. Also, as you know, we ADHDers crave feedback, and I would really appreciate hearing from you, the listener. Please take a moment to leave me a review on Apple Podcasts or Audible or whatever other platform you're using. And if that feels like too much, and I get it, then just take a few seconds to give me a five-star rating. Boom, done. Or share this episode on your own social media to help reach more women who maybe have yet to discover and lean into this neurodivergent superpower, and they may be struggling and they don't even know why. If you are a woman who is diagnosed with ADHD in adulthood and you'd like to be interviewed as a guest on this podcast, please reach out to me. My email is womenandadhdpodcast at gmail.com. 
I'll see you next week when I interview another amazing woman who has recently discovered that she is not lazy or crazy, but she has ADHD. And now she's on the path to understanding that neurodivergence and finally using it to her advantage. Take care till then.